Welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and provide a foundation for understanding it, whether you're actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and in this season number four, you'll find a new approach, including interviews and covering a wide variety of subjects. But after you listen to this episode, I encourage you to go back and really explore the previous seasons as they are full of valuable information. You get to pick and choose what to learn about next. Season one covers common aesthetic or cosmetic surgery topics and skincare, while season two explains reconstructive surgery topics. Then season three goes over general questions about plastic surgery. Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and opinion, as well as those of any guest interviewed. It is not intended to provide medical advice, nor is it a substitute for a formal consultation with your physician. So stay tuned for this interesting journey we'll take together in the ever-expanding world of plastic surgery. Let's go. With the value that our society places on physical appearance, Many people feel the strong desire to undergo cosmetic or aesthetic procedures to try to achieve a look they prefer, that matches how they feel inside, and that they would otherwise not be able to attain. But in the past, people have often been hush-hush about what they've undergone, or would like to undergo, due to the stigma that has been attached to such procedures, the fear of being considered vain or frivolous. Yet there seems to be a shift in our culture toward open discussion about cosmetic surgery and the desire for it. There is certainly more dialogue about it in all types of media, a continuous conversation, if you will. So, does that mean this stigma is finally lifting and more of us are feeling freer to explore the benefits of aesthetic procedures? What might be the implications of that? Today we have popular plastic surgeon Dr. Michelle Shermack with us to discuss this very issue. Here we go. I'd like to welcome to our discussion today, Dr. Michelle Shermack, who is a plastic surgeon in private practice in the Baltimore area. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Now, Dr. Shermack, could you tell us a little bit about how you got into plastic surgery? Well, I got into it at a very young age, actually. I saw a videotape, I don't even know why, in 11th grade in high school um, about a craniofacial surgeon whose name is Dr. Paul Tessier, uh, yes. um, the father of craniofacial surgery. He was Parisian. He did three-dimensional, almost like sculptural reconstruction of children born with facial deformities. And I was very interested in the field of medicine and art. And it just basically captured my excitement, you know, and he also very romantically traveled between Boston and Los Angeles and Paris. And I thought, oh my gosh, lovely life. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of a merging of my interest in art and medicine. And then, you know, I went to college. I was always kind of a person who was thinking of what's the next step. Um, I did try to enjoy the journey, but focused on the destination a lot and knew I wanted to go to medical school. You know, during medical school in my first year, um, Dr. Ben Carson, who presidential candidate, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, who was just a, you know, kind of humble pediatric neurosurgeon at the time, was working on a craniofacial separation of these West German twins who were joined at the head. And Dr. Craig Dufresne was the plastic surgeon who worked with him. 
and that summer they um, were putting experiences together with regard to their craniofacial practice. They created a textbook that I have. Nice. So it was just funny. My dad was basically a neighborhood pharmacist in East Baltimore. So kind of like uh, John Waters, you know, Baltimore. Um, and, um, you know, Dr. Carson's PA actually walked into the pharmacy to get some kind of compounded medication for a, a patient. And my father like could not stop talking about me and being in medical school and everything. It was just so exciting oh, to him. And so um, he asked Carol James at the time, like, could, do you think that my daughter could possibly work with you this summer? And she said, well, let her give us a call. So, wow. um, so I did. And, and he ended up working in all honesty with four different students, but that was kind of the launch of my interest in plastic surgery was craniofacial. And then as I finally made it to training in plastic surgery, I stayed at Hopkins and my passion actually went a little bit more toward breast reconstruction and, um, kind of a more general practice. So I ended up not pursuing the dream of craniofacial surgery, although I did enjoy doing it. And I really do enjoy the three-dimensional aspect of what we do. Yeah, it, it is sculptural. It's a lovely factor in our practice. So I think that's fantastic. Now, well, what is the current breakdown of your practice in plastic surgery? So um, I, I'm seeing... Um, a lot of like really head to toe um, aesthetic surgery. Mm -hmm. uh, my kind of special area of interest is massive weight loss body contouring procedures. Ah, yes. um, so I've written, you know, an atlas and I speak at national and international meetings about various topics related to massive weight loss body contouring. But I really enjoy head to toe. I, I love facial procedures. I do a lot of breast work. I was doing a lot of primary breast reconstruction and now I'm doing more kind of zhuzhing up breast reconstruction. So secondary <laughs> refinement, um, which is really like fun to do. Yeah. Um, I was talking with a patient today who is a breast cancer patient. We were trying to make sure she was happy with the outcome. And she's a young woman who's very body conscious. And she was talking about, you know, a minor asymmetry that was bothering her. And she admits it's a minor asymmetry. I'm not just putting it out there, but yeah. it's just amazing that nowadays uh, the concerns of our patients with breast reconstruction have gone much more toward cosmetic patients expectation, which mm -hmm. we've allowed because we can do that. So mm -hmm. um, it's been very satisfying to see the outcomes in these women, many of whom see me also after primary mastectomy reconstruction. And it's just like, there's so much going on at the time of that procedure. It's nice yeah. that they can come back later on and say, look, I'm not completely happy with the way this looks. Is there something we can do to make me look better? And it's a enjoyable exercise for me to kind of get a patient to a point where she is comfortable going on a beach vacation and enjoying uh, her body again. Getting your life back a little bit. So I still have stayed a bit true to the breast reconstruction patient group. Um, I do a lot of breast reduction. I see, you know, quite a few teenage athletes who need to get that and want to move on to college, you know, to be more physically comfortable and more confident about their body. And, you know, I do, I do the usual, you know, excisions and cancers and reconstruction for those two. So I would probably say the breakdown, the 
short answer <laughs> is probably 85% aesthetic out of pocket pay and probably about 15% reconstructive. So you do a fair amount of aesthetic surgery. Yes. Well, given that, do you think in general there is an increased interest in cosmetic procedures these days? Uh, and if so, why do you think that might be the case? Well, if you look at the different age groups, there are probably different reasons. I would say the younger age groups, the millennials, even I'd say kind of the older Gen Zs are seeing a lot on social media and Instagram, TikTok. There's just tons of media content related to cosmetic surgery procedures. And, you know, you can really dip your toe in with procedures like a lip volumizing filler or what we call the lip flip, which is a way of opening up the lip with a little bit of Botox injection. Um, that's very big on TikTok. Mm -hmm. I see women who are young, who are getting married, who want to feel more confident about their photographs. And those are typically women who are interested in some kind of neck contouring. Um, and um, that would kind of lead to discussions about either neck liposuction or a injectable treatment, Kybella, that would help reduce the fat in their neck. You know, I, I similarly see mothers of the bride who want to look better in those photographs, too. Of course. And that's a different discussion. But I would say, you know, my typical patient is somebody who wants their body or their face to match their general energy and outlook. Um, mm -hmm. I saw today a 72 year old woman who is a massage therapist and who hopes to be doing it for 20 more years. Okay. And she said that she really wants her face to match. And she had, you know, the usual signs of aging in a 72-year-old woman. She just wants to kind of recapture that feeling that she has. So I'd say, you know, whether it be the 72-year-old hoping to match her facial appearance to how she feels, whether it be the woman who has undergone pregnancies, who wants to regain her breast and body contours so she can feel more confident about herself and be more herself and not just be mom and wife and all of that. Like she can regain her identity to the millennial who just wants to kind of enhance features and kind of take control of features that they were born with that they don't enjoy. And then, you know, I take care of, of children who, you know, are born maybe with ear deformities and prominent ears or teenagers born with noses that have some kind of genetic issue that they're not happy with. So mm -hmm. is plastic surgery more popular? Is cosmetic surgery more popular? Yes. I mean, all of these people I just talked about basically fall into that bucket. And mm -hmm. um, I think really, you know, people are starting earlier. They realize that they don't have to live like this for any longer than they desire to. And, you know, they just need to come and see a board certified plastic surgeon who can help them try to kind of reach their goals. And if that can all be done safely, then sure, you know. Mm -hmm. So I do think cosmetic surgery has become more popular. I think people are having more discussions about it. That's great. You know, a lot of people do want to maintain privacy, but some are very happy to kind of share their experiences. And I think that has also helped fuel 
yeah. you know, people's interest. Well, you've given us um, a good idea of some of the motivations that you see for patients requesting cosmetic surgery, you know, be a better version of themselves and have the outside appearance match the feeling inside. You know, as physicians, we always want to promote a positive body image, but do you feel, is it okay to manipulate the body for an aesthetic reason? What do you tell patients about that? You know, we certainly see patients who kind of want to push the envelope a little further than we might feel comfortable with. You know, certainly the the most extreme version of that is people who have body dysmorphic disorder who, you know, really kind of focus on a little wrinkle or a little crease and really need to get that treated. But I see, you know, for example, I saw a woman who was about 30 who was single and a budding professional Mm -hmm. who wanted to get liposuction of her abdomen. She felt like she, you know, was trying to work out. She was trying to watch her diet, but, you know, wasn't living like, you know, Victoria Beckham on a piece of salmon every day. (laughs) Right. You know, so we did some liposuction of her abdomen and we did it safely and she was a safe candidate for that. She came back to see me. She dumped her old, horrible, bossy boyfriend. She now says she walks into a room and she has her choice of almost any guy in the room who she wants. And this was several years ago. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I did a little liposuction procedure, but the impact on the confidence was like, you know, like interesting. Yeah. So I think a little safe anatomical intervention, if we can do it safely and it seems like a reasonable person, I think that the outcome is far more than just the procedure that we've performed. That really is the goal. Yeah, that makes sense. On the flip side of things, what have been some of the reasons for patients to be reluctant to proceed with cosmetic surgeries or procedures they may desire? Does stigma or shame sometimes play a part? Do you think people struggle with that sometimes? I think the fact that they make it across our door, um, you know, they've kind of gotten over that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they come in and they know they're going to sign up and they know they're going to do a procedure. So I would say there are definitely those who do not and who want to discuss it and see like how that conversation goes. And if they think their goal is reasonable, if they think that the surgeon who they're meeting with hopefully me, you know, would be able to reach that goal safely um, and have a conversation about that. And I love that because, you know, the online information that people are getting is so voluminous and often Mm -hmm. so not relevant to what they want to do. I'd have to say that the things that I'm doing that I'd say the majority of, you know, reasonable plastic surgeons are doing are literally enhancements that might not necessarily make somebody look at this person within weeks after their surgery and say, I don't recognize that person. Oh my God, they had something done. You know, I think just kind of disappearing for a week or two and coming back more refreshed, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, half of the time people don't really know around them, you know, they don't even remark upon it or they can't put their finger on it. And that is the goal of a plastic surgeon, isn't it? You know, to try to create a change for someone that they want and have it not be so obvious, not look overdone. Uh, That is a challenge, but that is something we strive for. Yeah. So I, I don't think we're seeing people who, I think we see a very select group, right? So there are people who are actually coming in and I, I'd say they've kind of gotten over that aspect. And I think mm-hmm. that 
you know, our society, you know, has done a great job in educating people on how prevalent procedures are and, you know, that we're not trying to necessarily grab people and say, you need to do this, you need to do that. But right. What are their goals and what can we do to achieve them? And there are a lot of people out there who realize that they want to do something. How about those people? And, and this is, of course, speculation because you haven't you know, been able to chat with these people, but you have a sense of society and, and what people are like. How about people who really look in the mirror and they would love to do a cosmetic procedure, but they are reluctant to do so and do feel, uh, whether it's embarrassment or shame or something like that. I, I, you know, I think there is some stigma that's still out there. Um, yet there have been some uh, notable celebrities who have been quite open about the benefits of cosmetic surgery and their own journey. Sonny Hostin is one that comes to mind right now. But mm-hmm. do you think that celebrities in particular being more open about these things are an indication that past stigma relating to aesthetic surgery is lifting? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember about 10 years ago, the actress who is on Modern Family, uh, she had a breast reduction. She was a scholarly sister. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And she came out and said she had a breast reduction and she was back at work within a couple of weeks. And, you know, it just showed that a young person can do this and really see a benefit. Mark Jacobs had a facelift and shared with everybody very authentically and honestly that he was doing this. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it changes how we perceive him versus someone who we know down deep had a facelift, but won't share that. So I do think that the stigma is lifting. Um, I personally had a mommy makeover and I blogged about it. I thought it was It was important for me to kind of go through that experience and to be able to share what I learned through my own experience. Um, I was not shy about it. I actually saw it as an opportunity. So yeah, I generally think that people are more willing to talk about things. There are certainly those who won't or who are denying and we know that it doesn't seem like that's true. Yeah. You know, you've been so honest about your own experience uh, with a mommy makeover. How do you think that affects the patients who come into your office with whom you may talk about that, does that put them more at ease or make them feel more comfortable or like they can relate to you on not just a doctor-patient level, but a person-to-person level? Well, I think social media has been great for that because they come in and they almost feel like they've seen me, they know me, you know, because I Ah. share those types of stories on my Instagram, you know, and various platforms that I'm involved with. Some people don't admit to having seen it, but then when I tell them that I went through that, you know, they'll say something like, oh yeah, I saw that on your blog and I (laughs) I really enjoyed, you know, learning about your experience. I try to not make it about me. That's kind of where I feel like I'm very sensitive to not kind of drawing the conversation into me and my own experience, Mm -hmm. but I just try to kind of provide tips, tricks, lessons, you know, a little bit of reassurance. And I guess that feeling of, should I be really doing this? You know, I I have Mm -hmm. a job, I have kids, I'm functional. I mean, I went through all those feelings myself. Mm -hmm. I went down to Nashville to have surgery with my one of my mentors 
in plastic surgery, Mary Jen Grass. And mm -hmm. I was on the plane with my husband. And I was like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. I'm like totally functional. What, a, what if something happens, you know? And he's like, you have been complaining about your muffin top for years. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> right. This is it. You're signed up. You're doing it. Yeah, just and, do it. <laughs> um, and then you get so kind of caught up in the cycle of like just getting there and, you know, all of that. So I just, I made it and it was a perfectly wonderful experience. But I just like to share that more as I can relate to it. I empathize with you. I want to give you some information kind of beyond what somebody might otherwise get. So I enjoy that and I enjoy being able to kind of help shepherd others through that experience. I think that's wonderful and I'm sure they greatly appreciate it. Well, shifting gears a little bit, um, you're on the board of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. And uh, how is the ASPS getting the word out about the benefits of cosmetic procedures? You know, I'm thinking of the You Renewed campaign and the Do It For You campaign. What are your thoughts about that? So I'm actually uh, vice chair of the public education campaign. So I understand that campaign through and through. Perfect. And I love that You Renewed campaign. These marketing campaigns have been tricky through the years for the society and trying to kind of get the right fit, get the right message, get the right models, get the right placement. And I literally was involved with um, our staff person from you know, choosing the colors, choosing the message. You Renewed is basically what we were talking about, which is just kind of finding your own authentic self through plastic surgery and feeling refreshed, uh, feeling like you've turned back the clock, not a change necessarily, not a transformation. It's just refreshing and renewed and it's simple and it's to the point. And, you know, the media images and video that have come out are just beautiful. Like we've really worked to hit on different messages. I would say it's primarily related to women, that particular early campaign, mm -hmm. but we're trying to kind of hit different age groups and concerns and things like that. So it's on YouTube. If the listeners want to get an idea of what our society's message is, it can definitely be found on YouTube or the plasticsurgery.org website, but it's really a beautiful campaign and it was actually kind of navigated very quickly to try to get it out in time for our national meeting. I'm really excited about that campaign. And, and like I say, it's just one of those things where it's just so simple, two words, and I think you like know exactly what that message is. Yeah. Yeah. You renewed. That's pretty fantastic. I'm curious, even though there still is some stigma in our society about people obtaining cosmetic procedures, what would you like to see in the future in terms of acceptance or destigmatization of cosmetic surgery? What would be your dream about that? Um, I mean, I think we're really getting there. Um, you know, we, okay. we see so many people and I think the rise in numbers is kind of that removal of stigma. And I want to see health promoted and there's a whole movement about body positivity and, and God love women who have body positivity and that's great. But I would say like to try to pursue the healthiest version of yourself. Um, so I think some of that campaign has been basically saying 
it's fine if you're, you know, overweight and you have some health conditions, as long as you like how you look. And so that's a tricky thing I'm stepping into right now. I know, but um, I would say that um, we always want people to be the healthiest versions of themselves to live as long, a long and healthy life. Um, the other thing is this whole kind of like Kardashian situation with just this constant, like, you know, surgery and Photoshopping and procedures and procedures. And, um, the public has to understand they probably don't pay a dime for any of this, you know, them walking into a plastic surgeon office in Beverly Hills is like that plastic surgeon's happiness. Yeah. <laughs> PR campaign. Yes. But, um, so that's another thing, like trying to pursue a Photoshop version or now buckle fat pad resection is very buzzworthy online. And, you know, what looks good today in a 30 year old may end up looking not so good once you hit 50. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's almost like we need to roll some things back more so than throw out the red carpet. And I would just say that, you know, social media just is getting worse and worse, <laughs> um, you know, with the messages and the photoshopping and, and all of that stuff. So I would just say we want to keep it real. Um, I think, you know, our society is doing a great job at trying to kind of give a real message. And I just hope that people don't go, you know, rogue, all these like, media, you know, tangents and everything. Gotcha. I think I, I would love to try to get back to, you know, good medical advice and yeah. pursuing realistic goals and focusing on certain areas that we can address and not trying to chase a perfect ideal, but maybe just feel better about yourself in a photograph, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Those are some wise words. And that may be a great way to leave our conversation. I appreciate the opportunity of, of speaking on your podcast. I know I'm, um, you know, looking at some giants who you've spoken with before. Yes. And I, I appreciate the education that you're providing and, and helping to uh, provide that educated message. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. All right. Take care. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.